Welcome to Keep You 100 Radio. I'm your host, Felicity Pointer, type 1 diabetic, certified health coach, personal trainer, and founder of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness. Inside this podcast, you'll find the real and raw conversations around diabetes management, including the lessons that we don't learn in our endos office, my best tips and trainings, and conversations from the experts that I trust inside the community so that you can create more predictability in your diabetes management and feel empowered while doing so. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by the Ethical Coaching and Diabetes Care Certification. At this point, we know that coaching in the diabetes space is a new integral standard of care. In 2018 alone, there were 1.5 million new Americans diagnosed with diabetes, and as important as endocrinologist care is, there's a severe shortage in the U.S. The healthcare system alone is just not set up to successfully support those living with type 1. That's where coaches bridge the gap. Although coaches in diabetes care cannot replace an endocrinologist care, we can add impactful and life-changing support in between appointments. So let me ask you this. What if there was a way to direct the diabetes community to trustworthy and reliable coaching support, allowing them to filter through the noise of sneaky marketing and bring them directly to ethical coaching practices? What if there was a way to navigate this space with all the resources that you need to build an ethical, impactful, and accessibility-centered coaching practice in the diabetes space? And what if there's a way to understand how to build a coaching practice without overcharging, under-delivering, and feeling icky in the process while connecting with other coaches, allowing you to collaborate? The thing is, coaching certifications teach you how to become a coach, but nobody teaches you on the complexities of working in the diabetes space. But I have good news. We're creating the next generation of ethical coaches in diabetes care, and you get to be a part of it. Introducing the Ethical Coaching and Diabetes Care Certification, the first and only training program that teaches coaches in the diabetes space how to build a coaching practice that's centered around ethics, integrity, and accessibility. Our three-phase training experience, now recognized for continuing education credit by the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaching, will not only help you navigate the diabetes space in complete clarity— but it's also going to teach you how to take your trauma-informed approach to coaching. It's going to teach you how to integrate coaching practices that are derived from neurolinguistic programming so that you can facilitate client-driven breakthroughs. And it's going to teach you how to master the art of ethical copy and marketing, create accessible offers, and permission-led sales so that your clients can feel safe and secure during the entire process. The Ethical Coaching and Diabetes Care Certification not only teaches you the importance of being an ethical leader in the diabetes industry, but how to build a sustainable coaching practice that will filter out through the noise in the diabetes community. You can apply now for a fall cohort in the link in the show notes. Now let's hop back into this episode. Hello, Keep 100 Radio. I am so excited for today's episode. I'm hanging out with Katie Larson, who I've been working with for the past three and a half months now. She's a recent graduate of the Ethical Coaching and Diabetes Care Certification and now stepping into her own practice, which I will let her talk about. But before we get started, Katie, let's dive into you, introduce yourself, what you like to do, where you're from, all the good stuff. Yes, awesome. Hey, everybody. I'm Katie Larson. Um... I would like to say I'm pretty much just outdoors always. Um, I am living in Colorado. I live on the west side of Denver, kind of in between Morrison and Evergreen, if anybody's familiar with that. Um, And I just really love to be anywhere outdoors. Uh, My happy place is in the mountains. But as we'll talk about later, um, outdoors can mean anything to anyone. That's simply what it means to me. Um, I really love trail running, mountain biking, skiing, hiking, uh, backpacking. Um, I'm also have an amazing life partner named Nels and an awesome dog named Scout that I get to adventure and hang out with all the time who are really wonderful and supportive. Um, in addition to that, I have an MPH in community behavioral health. Um, and I got this a lot because of the type one diabetes community. And then in addition, I have an MCHES, which is a master health 
certified educator specialist and an EMT as well. Um, so all of these really sparked out of learning, uh, not so much because of, uh, to get these letters or credentials, but because of learning and the type one diabetes community. I love that. And I'm not even going to lie. Last night I was, um, I was like putting together all the questions for today's conversation. I was creeping on your Instagram <laughs> hardcore and I was like, they're all your, I was like, they're all your story highlights. And you seriously do so much. Like if you looked at your, if everyone looks like your Instagram, like you are always outdoors, you're always adventuring. And I just love that so much. And I, I can tell it's something that brings you so much happiness. So I'm really yeah. excited to kind of dive into a little bit more of that conversation today, but do you mind walking us through a little bit more about your type one journey? What's led you to where you are now, your diagnosis, yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually coming on 22 years of living with type 1 diabetes um, on, so about a month from now, October 30th um, or 31st, sorry, of 2000 is when I was diagnosed. And I was young. So I was six years old when I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. I was actually misdiagnosed by a primary care provider with strep throat, which as we all know, just makes this get harder and harder. <laughs> you get sicker and sicker. Um, and so through misdiagnosis, I was thirsty. I was going to the bathroom constantly. Um, I was drinking lots of, I believe like orange juice and regular Coca-Cola cause I felt sick, which again is <laughs> just simply making my blood sugars higher and higher. <laughs> um, to the point where I was so sick that my parents did end up taking me to the emergency room and I was in DKA when I was diagnosed. So I know that was a really terrifying experience for them. Um, my brother wasn't born yet, but my sister definitely thought I hated her because I wouldn't play with her because I was too tired. <laughs> and yeah, I still remember because I was diagnosed on Halloween and she was out like collecting candy for me, which is so nice and ironic if you look at it in all different ways. Um, yes. But then again, as we grow, we learn you know, how to eat unrestrictedly, things like that. But at the time it felt very ironic, uh, for my family, I believe. Um, but yeah, that was part of my di uh, diagnosis. But what I also remember leaving the hospital was coming home. And again, I was six. And so I was running to our playground. I was so happy to be out of the hospital <laughs> that I ran over to our playground and I tried to do the monkey bars and I was so weak that I just fell. I could not do a single monkey bar. But it kind of became this mantra for me every day. I remember looking at my mom and she was crying. And I just ran up and I was like, hey, mom, it's okay. I'll try again tomorrow. And so every morning I would go out and I would try to do the monkey bars. And every day I got stronger and better. And I think it's a really good analogy for type one in general. Um, unless you do such a great job talking about we have to try all these things. And that's part of why um, the name Trial on the Trails came about is we have to tr we have to try again and again and again, and you're not going to feel strong at first. And that's pretty much with anything, right? It can be with um, physical activity. It could be with our mental health. At first, it's not going to feel very strong. But once we try again and again and again, we find these ways um, to become stronger or make it work for us in that time. So that's a little bit about my diagnosis story. Um, and then I started getting involved in camps, which really changed my life and really helped me accept uh, diabetes. It really showed me what having a community is like, helped me learn from other people. Um, and then really, I think, helped my trajectory of what I really became passionate about and what I wanted to do. 
I love that. <laughs> the, the monkey bars analogy got me. We, we kind of do like, yeah, similar. We talk about very similar concepts inside of like our program, Keep 100. We talk a lot about like, if you, the, the whole saying came up of like, if you don't eat the cupcake, you, if you don't try the cupcake, you can't mm-hmm. nail the bowls for the cupcake essentially. Right. So like we talk about it a little bit more of like a food mm-hmm. retrospect, but you're talking about it more in like life and trying different things. And I think it goes to show, you know, that is the journey of type one. It's not doing it perfectly the first time. So I was actually going to ask when you're talking about like you're diagnosed at six, like you are still growing up in this time. And now looking back 22 years later, you're, you know, you're outdoors all the time. You're doing all these activities. Was it pretty much off the bat that you felt like, oh, I want to get back into my life and doing these things like climbing the monkey bars or did it take transition period? Like what was that experience like? Yeah, I think at six, I don't quite remember. I just remember having to do things differently than everybody else. And I remember having to take breaks or having to eat snacks. Um, But I think that transition happens throughout life too. So, and I think that's part of why what you're doing in creating ethical coaching is so important because I think for us and everyone living with type one diabetes, we go through life transitions and then that's going to be, I think when those touch points are so important with someone. Um, So I think the transitions I remember more than just diagnosed were more life events. So I'd say as a teenager, um, high school, especially competitive sports in high school. And then I would say the biggest one for me was college and then moving out West. Um, I'm originally from Ohio. So then moving out West and just learning how to climb mountains, learning how to do all these activities and not only learning them, but learning them with handling type one too. So I think the transition piece was always, it's always frustrating. I'm not a person who always readily accepts change. Although I think I've grown and learned a lot to accept it um, and embrace it more. Yet I feel like those transition periods in life are when I most notice or get frustrated or have been frustrated by living with type one diabetes, because it seems like it, it's not going to just flow and fit with everything. It changes when those things change, um, which I find makes it more difficult. And always, I always wanted someone to reach out to and be able to connect with. And fortunately I stay connected in the diabetes community throughout life. Um, but again, I think those transitions, it was more prevalent. Definitely. It's hard. I mean, I was, I was much older than you when I was diagnosed, I was 19. So like the experience was different, but also the same because you're kind of having to relearn experiences that you've already had for years. You're relearning your body. I remember like even I grew up as a gymnast for 10 years. So like I was so used to just powering through and, and like just kind of showing up and having that work out. It worked out for, you know, 19 years and having to relearn and like get stronger at different things and, and going through that trial and error is definitely scary. But now looking back, I'm like, that was such an important piece. And to your point, I wish I had somebody to walk through that with and to like, take the baby steps with me, which is why I'm really excited to dive into what you're now offering and what you're doing, but kind of like backtracking a little bit. Um, so you're a little bit like you're newer to the online coaching space, but you've done so much for the diabetes community already. I just want to kind of take a minute to talk a little bit about that because you've been integrated into the community for a long time now. Can you kind of dive into that? Yeah. And thank you so much for saying that. Um, yes, it was, I originally worked in clinical research. So I actually worked with 
the new OP5 system, um, Medtronic, Tandem, Dexcom, um, you name it, <laughs> all the Bigfoot, um, all these different medical devices doing clinical research, which was absolutely intriguing and amazing to see the back end of what goes in um, to the work and why it takes so long for these devices to be approved um, for use. But it's a lot of technology. Um, and I really believe in technology. It's incredible for for people in general. I think it's been absolutely life-changing. Um, but to my core, I feel like I'm an educator and I feel that's my passion, right? Is to educate and to help people walk through things. And so what I was kind of noticing too, was there was a certain group of people, um, are in these clinical trials. And when that became implemented into clinic, then it, it didn't always translate, right? Although the clinic did a great job of trying to work through that. And then also we were missing a bunch of patients. People were falling through the gaps, maybe who didn't use technology, didn't have access to technology, who have these barriers to care in our healthcare system. Um, and that's just something I'm really passionate about. And so I actually then went into the clinic and did a program as a patient navigator and then um, as well as doing education for well over 500 families who just had the highest barriers to healthcare and the healthcare system. Um, I just needed a bigger challenge. I wanted to grow. And so what I really found in that, we found kind of the top three buckets that people felt were not being filled. You know, there are still gaps. And number one is education, um, which to me was heartbreaking, but also inspiring because that's what I'm so passionate about. We do, we, during these transitions, like we just touched on, there's so many missing pieces. And I feel like often in our healthcare system, they're missed, right? Because there's only so much time, so many hours that places are open, um, so many people working. And so that, um, that really spoke to me of, we need more education. We need more. Um, but I had another opportunity come up with the American Diabetes Association to help them restart camp programs this summer, which has been absolutely, it was incredible to see that side as well, right? These national programs, getting communities together. Um, like I said, camps played this integral part of my life, um, of just feeling like I belonged, feeling more confident in my diabetes, being able to be around other people. Um, it was quite funny in college. I helped start a CDN chapter for the College Diabetes Network for people who don't. Yeah, it sounds like you're from, yeah, familiar with it. Yeah, I started the chapter at Penn State too, so I know the, the whole. It's I'm just like, no, oh, that's so cool. That's amazing. <laughs> yes, I started at Ohio State. We would have been like rivals. That's so funny. Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if we can talk right now. We need to end the podcast. <laughs> I'm wearing my Penn State shirt. No, I I should have worn Ohio State one. <laughs> That's oh amazing. no. All the alumni listening are going to be like, Lizzie, no. They're like, Katie, what are you doing? <laughs> That's so cool. But it just shows like, no matter where you're at, no matter like the friction, <laughs> you need to do Just a chapters. little. Yes. No, that's amazing. Um, but so funny, before I started that, I swore to myself I would not be working in diabetes. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do global public health, I'm going to do all these other things. And it was like, you know, the world has bigger issues, but some people's world is this, right? And that's 
often our biggest challenge and issue. And so, um, I know I went off a little branch there, but that's just another a way of being involved. But going back to the the programs this summer, um, again, I just think restarting camps, restarting programs is so important for those living with type one. Um, but now I'm really excited to really step into this gap that I feel is still there um, in helping coach in the online di- or the diabetes online community. And it's definitely a space that I've always looked at and seen. But with being with these other entities, never felt like I could fully step into. Um, And so I am really excited right now to now fully step in to this space with the experience I've had and the things that I've seen um, to be able to help fill that. Because I think that's the main thing. I mean, there's still, there's so much time in between appointments, right? Or you call to schedule an appointment. I would schedule so many appointments, but people would be booked up and there's so much time in between. Um, and we need our doctors, we need our PAs, our nurses, our educators, our CDEs. We need all these people. Um, and it, I don't believe at all that health coaches are taking away from this, especially diabetes health coaches. They're simply like filling those gaps and helping that in between. And I really think that's going to help improve impo- appointments. Um, at least for my, what I saw in clinic was like, oh, it's been so long in between. But things that I struggled with was, okay, well, these are only the times we're giving a, giving them that are available, right? Like 7 a.m. to 4 or 5 p.m. And it's a Monday through Friday. And then you start thinking about the people who are working two jobs, the people who are working overnights, um, college students or people not in college, again, that are just working. And those times don't fit. Like, what about Saturday morning appointments? What about a Sunday afternoon? What about like later in the evening? Um, all these different touch points I feel like people really need. Um, and again, back to transitions, right? Like I remember, um, in college, I won't say the name anymore, but when I was in college, (laughs) the different, like, I feel like every, when the semesters changed, I wished that's when I had my touch points, right? I wished when these changes occurred, that's when I could connect. Um, but often things were booked or filled. And again, that's okay. That's how the system's set up. Again, I think all these people are doing great things. Um, but in the end of the day, you're doing such an amazing thing of creating more ethical coaches to fill these gaps in between. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. But no, I, a hundred percent agree because like, it's funny. I think I talked about this on my Instagram stories the other day too, but one of the biggest kind of um, objections I get to coaching is that I'm going, like I'm going through this big life event right now where like I'm changing semesters in college or I'm moving or I'm starting a new job. And in reality, I think that's when we need more touch points, just like you mentioned, Um, especially like from healthcare providers or just somebody with accountability and support or allowing you to break through these different trends and patterns. But kind of going back a little bit to, you mentioned kind of these high barriers to care in what you saw inside of the clinical setting. And I think that's kind of, part of why access is so important more than just financial access, but to your point, time, energy, um, just support. But what do you think were, was kind of the biggest impact by, from these high barriers? So I know that one thing that we talked about a lot and, um, some of the, even the other people inside of ECDC who are in the clinical setting, one of the biggest things that they want to do is have more touch points or deeper touch points. So higher level of support. So without that, what is the impact that you saw in like by having those barriers? That's such an incredible way to put it. Um, You always word things so well and so deeply. And I feel a part of it, part of why, and again, the credentials I've gotten aren't because 
I just wanted more credentials. It's because I felt like they were necessary or I saw a need for them. So I got my MCHES, which is the Master Certified Health Educator Specialist. I got this certification because it's how we educate different people. So I think we talk about like the time and the energy, but if you're not speaking someone's language, if you're not actually hearing, hey, you're actually telling me this, right? Like I can tell you to change your insulin all day long, but what you're really saying is you need more help in this direction, in this capacity, then I believe it's a big of a disservice. Um, or I think a lot of people living with type one go into an appointment. And it's like, I'm supposed to have a certain answer. I'm supposed to say this, even though it's really this. So the thing I think I found the most, um, and again, more through the MCHES is how to specifically educate to cater someone's needs, to cater what they need to, not necessarily what they need to hear, because sometimes we need to hear things we don't want to, <laughs> um, but more so how they're going to process that information and how they learn. So it's, again, I could be spelling things out all day long, but maybe someone needed a picture or someone needs a touch more touch points, or maybe even they need it typed out. Um, so I think it really goes down to the fact of how we're educating too, how we're getting across information, um, and being able to, to just be able to tell them what they need, right. In a way that they can receive it as well. Right. I don't know if that and what I find it, it does. And, and what I find like in the clinical setting, at least it's like, there's not necessarily the, the, the time the healthcare isn't no. set up yeah. for success in that way of like, your doctor isn't really given the space to say, okay, I recognize that this is how somebody needs support. Let me break it down in this way. So I feel like that's why there does need to be these extra support outlets, like the one that you're building, which I really want to dive into a little bit of like, what is trials on the trail? How did this come to be? Who like, yeah, let's start there. Yeah. No, thank you. And I love how you said that too, because it's like, I agree that these healthcare providers are in this system that is set up where it is very constrained. So it's so hard because I'm sure we've all had experiences, right? Where it's like, oh, I wish someone didn't say that to me that way. Or you walk yeah. in and you're like, ouch, like that was not, <laughs> that's not what I needed. Um, but I think it's also, that shouldn't be discredited, but it's also good to recognize the constraints that they're put under as well in that system right. and then that setting too. Yeah. Yeah. There, oh, there's so many times where I've wanted to go to my endo and just say like, when they're like, okay, what's going on? I would love to say I'm overwhelmed. I'm frustrated. Yes. I have so many different life variables yeah. going on. And when in reality, they're just, you know, looking for how are your basal yep. rates? How are your carb ratios? Do you need another prescription? Right. So just, yeah. Very checklist. Yeah, definitely like not. Oriented. And right. Yeah. Let's get through the checklist and on to the next. Yeah. Right. But that's just how, how it's set up, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, let's yeah. dive back into, yeah. Trials on the Trail. Yes. So I was really excited. Trials on the Trail. The name just kind of came out. Honestly, I've had a notebook for the last seven years that I've just taken notes in. So it almost feels like this is just finally at a point where it's come to fruition and um, ECDC really helped that too. So I know we'll get more into that, but I've just had this notebook of all these notes of things I've been noticing gaps to fill, um, X, Y, and Z for years and years and years. Um, 
And so Trials on the Trail, the name really came to be because, again, like you've talked about in your podcast and your episodes, is we have to try again, and we're probably not going to get it right the first time. Um, And trail really came to be because I think anything in life is a trail, right? I mean, we've talked about going up a mountain to leaving your car to go in the grocery store and feeling confident that way, or walking the dog around the park, or taking a kid to a playground and feeling confident in that. Like the trail can be absolutely anything and anywhere. Um, The mission really of trial on the trails is to empower those living with type one diabetes to step confidently into the outdoors. So, and again, let's see, you reminded me too, like outdoors is just going out on your porch, enjoying some coffee or tea, whatever you drink. um, And just, and taking that breath of fresh air. And that's what I want people with type one to feel after experiencing this um, one-on-one or this program is just to be able to feel like they can breathe again. Um, And it takes trials, right? It takes practice again and again and again. Um, And then again, the trail is going to be any part you are on life. Like we talked about life transitions. They each break, break off into all these different trails we can take. And that's what makes me so excited to start and do this because again, the trail does not need to lead to a mountain if that's not your thing. It can lead around the park. It can lead just out your front door and feeling more confident. And I know how to handle this trial or I've experienced this before or how have I experienced this before that I want to experience it differently or experience it to a different level. Um, I know we talked a lot about that in the coaching program as well is what has the experience been and how do we either improve it or kind of rewrite that story for people? Ooh, that's so good because also it's, I think it's important to note that like the trial, the trails don't stop happening. Like even eight years in, (laughs) almost nine years or or 22 years in, it's like new things keep coming up. Like even, I mean, going back to my initial diagnosis, I was at Penn State or sorry, the the school at Penn (laughs) State. And and, like that campus is huge. Like it's its own, if, if anybody's ever been to Penn State, like it's its own little utopia. Like it's walking across campus can easily take about 20 minutes. And I remember being scared to walk across campus. And I felt so like, I kind of felt a little bit of shame of like, why am I worried to walk across campus? But like, I was in a very different scenario than most people who didn't have to live with diabetes or or take these things into consideration. So I do think that it's really important that we have these extra layers of support that can walk us through like however big of a trail that it is big or small and i'm really excited to see that you are lending that support so like can we kind of dive into a little bit about um what this has grown into like how how you are supporting people in that process absolutely um so during this process right now i am doing really one-on-one personalized coaching and i love to through your program using words like individualized and personalized, like they're such big, broad words, but how are we breaking it down? How are we actually doing that? So the way that I am approaching it, and again, I think it's so good to remind ourselves that coaching is fluid, right? And so it's going to change and evolve. Um, So right now, mine is one-on-one coaching with programs on the side. So tailored to someone's needs. So say it's someone who has a child with type 1 diabetes and they're going to the playground. That's going to be a one-on-one call and figuring out, okay, what are they packing for the playground? What are those worries, the stressors? 
what has the experience been there before? Um, to someone who wants to go backpacking overnight. And then what does that look like for that person? So that's going to come with its own tailored approach of what to pack, what to bring. Um, and it's more than just type one stuff too, right? I think as an EMT, I also think of sometimes type one becomes kind of this thing we just put everything on. And so we might forget the other stuff too, right? So you're going backpacking and yes, type one's going to take up a lot of brain space. But not only that, but are you packing things like maybe a Garmin inReach or something that you can communicate to other people that's going to take, maybe we didn't think about that at first, right? I mean, I know for myself, one of my first backpacking trips, I didn't. And then it then related to type one though, because I was like, oh, wait, I don't have service. How would I communicate if something happens? And you learn so much. Um, so really being able to dive in to what that individual needs at this time and then where they want to go. So not only for focusing on the present trail that they're on, but the trail that they want to get to. So what's that next step? What is the ultimate goal to get there? And how are we going to do that together? Um, so right now it is virtual for anywhere. If someone is in the state of Colorado, there is an option depending on location to meet in person, which I also think can be really helpful if that's even just taking a walk around the park together, right? It's like going step in step and talking through it. Um, actually experiencing that together, like going biking together or again, going on a walk together, X, Y, and Z. So being able to actually go through step by step, um, with someone, yeah, I think that individualized approach is so important and the hands-on approach too, because even like earlier this year, um, Jordan and I, we went to, we did a cross country trip across the U S yeah. and we did like, we hit a lot of the major parts and it's something that I didn't think would take that much mental space, but it really did. Um, you know, not only leading up to the trip of, okay, here's the preparation that I need, like let me pack three times the amount of low snacks and supplies yeah. that I think I'll need, but the mental space that it's taking on the trail itself, you know, walking down the Grand Canyon, you know, checking my Apple watch, which ended up not working. But I won't think oh, no. about it, but it was like the worst thing. And I was like, you know, that's the one thing. Um, but you know, like checking your phone, like for your debts, come worrying about, okay, what happens if something happens and there's no service. So I wish I had someone like you to support me at that point because it would have taken that mental space out of that situation so that I could enjoy things like the road trip, the music, the hike, the, the engagement that came oh, with it. Yes, that had happened. Like, that. Yeah. <laughs> but it is just so much more when we're talking mm -hmm. about the holistic experience of really anything we want to acknowledge that there's the social component, the, um, the mental health component, the, like our relationship, there's just so many different things. And I think, by offering this, you're allowing people to step into what else is there outside of diabetes taking up this space. Oh, yes. Thank you. And that really is the main goal too. I know my last post, I kind of talked about, um, my husband and I got to go into Rocky mountain, like the leaves, the aspens are changing right now. It was beautiful. And I was so grateful. Like diabetes didn't take up that much brain space. And that's the goal, right? Is to enjoy these moments. I mean, we have these beautiful, huge life moments. Like you're talking about like an engagement, like weddings, celebrating, whatever, maybe celebrating someone just started their business. You know, it's not always about weddings and marriage, but starting a business, doing, you know, a hike or just being on the playground or an exciting things with friends that someone wanted to. 
and being able to kind of have diabetes take, just take a ride along with it, right? It doesn't get the driver's seat. It can just take, be along for the ride. Um, and that's something I really was thinking about the other day because I had a sensor. Yeah, my sensor um, expired and I fortunately had another one, but I was kind of like, you know what? I'm just, I'm not going to put it on. <laughs> and usually that would cause me a lot of anxiety. Um, but what I found was it also brought me some freedom of, again, through much, much trial and error um, before this point of being able to still experience this beautiful national park and this time of year and this hike I was really excited about without really worrying about what was going on with type one. And yeah, that holistic approach of being calmer, being less stressed, really being present in the moment um, and enjoying that space. Yeah. I've said this a few times on a few different episodes, but I think it's about having choice. Like we are living with a diagnosis that we don't get much choice in like, or we're told that we don't get much choice. Right. So whether it's the technology that we choose to use or the foods that we choose to eat or any of it. So I think what you're doing is you're offering choice to a condition that we're often told that we don't get. So I love what you're doing. Um, one follow-up question I had is that, I, so for anyone who might need some background, I, I was actually looking through our DMs too, yeah. and I was like, I, I saw the one where you're like, I just started following yeah. you, and it, like I was just like so excited that you oh, reached out. Awesome. Um, and then a few weeks later, you had actually inquired about um, the ethical coaching and diabetes care certification. So can you walk us through a little bit about what yeah. kind of motivated you to step into that or like what, yeah. what yeah, and got you to enroll. Yes. And that actually really goes off your comment about choices, which is really cool. So, um, when I first reached out because let's you're just so real and it doesn't feel like you are on a pedestal of anyone, you know, you want people where you are and you want to see people succeed, which made me so excited and so happy. Um, and at the time I was really, even though I've been in a lot of diabetes spaces, I was looking for more leadership just in the situation I was currently in. Um, I was looking for more leadership. I was looking for to, I think a little bit more about the diabetes online community because it is really prevalent. This, this is where even when I was working in the clinic, um, when I was working in the programs at a national level with diabetes, the diabetes online community is where so many people go. They go there for questions. They go there for concerns. And so it made me really curious because this is where a lot of people are getting their information. Um, and then what I loved so much too about your program and what really made me join was how, and I know it, I mean, it's called the ethical, ethical excuse me, ethical care and diabetes coaching for a reason. Um, but it wasn't just called that, right? You could see the energy and the commitment you put into this. And that's immediately gave me this trust with you. Um, you don't make people feel pressured. You are very much about meeting them where they're at, which I think really inspired me for Trials on the Trail because that's the thing I didn't want. That's why I kind of also steered away from starting something online or coaching even because I didn't, I hadn't really yet experienced something where I didn't feel this pressure or um, a, a different, like someone else was on a different like level or pedestal and like I had to look up to that. You really give people this choice and this power to go on their own path and go on their own trail and kind of blaze their own way. Um, and so that really inspired me and gave me so much trust. 
I mean, you had Gary Schneider on there. You had Mark Heyman. You have these people in the diabetes community that are extremely looked up to and are very ethical and good at what they do. And so bringing those people in to the space um, also gave me a lot of trust in enrolling. Um, and I think that's the other part why I always shied away a little bit from coaching or wanting to start my own thing was that I wanted it to be credible, right? I didn't want to just jump on and say, even though I have credentials, again, I think I've touched on this a couple of times, but I didn't get those credentials to just say I had them. I'm getting them because I want to become better for other people, um, to become a better educator, to become a better leader in this space. And so when I saw what you were doing and um, how you constructed everything, that made me trust, okay, like there is a space out there where coaches are being trained correctly. Like they are being trained in a way that they are going to think about informed trauma. They're going to think about access. They're going to think about these barriers that so often are just brushed over um, because there are some things, right, that we can control and some things that we can't. And those choices in those different situations make so much of a difference of how we can take care of type 1 diabetes and just take care of our lives in general. And so um, I could talk about this the whole podcast, but I just think what you did seriously was just absolutely incredible and just gave me so much trust and confidence um, and being able to step into this space, even though, again, I've worked in all these other diabetes spaces. This is something that's really honed in on and you have worked so hard and you can tell your passion and your belief in this. And it really comes through. Well, thank you. But I, yeah, I think that's like where it all, like, I think it's so interesting. It's like, you think that there's, you think that you're alone in it when you're trying to build something and you're kind of like, I don't know about you, but I felt kind of intimidated of like, I did a lot of programs like business coaching programs or like whatever it is, certifications. And at the end of the day, it was kind of that same mindset, right. Of like, okay, you have to put yourself on a pedestal or like you have to be um, like an authority figure. I'm like, no, I just want to be a real person that allows like like, facilitates change. And that's exactly the community that we're bringing together. And I, I think that like we, that's what coaching should be. It's like, we are facilitators. We are guides for transformation in whatever retrospect that is. And I'm just so excited that you had jumped into the community because I do think that there are incredible leaders who just don't have the tools to build what they have been dreaming of building. And that's exactly what we saw in this community. Everybody offers such a unique niche. They offer such unique support that they want to offer to the community. And it's like, it's time that we make these voices heard, right? Like we need to amplify yes. these um, and these voices. So I'm so excited. Um, but how, like, people- how, oh, sorry, go on. Oh no, you're good. Yeah. Just, and you're giving people, you talked about choice, right? We want choices with like our devices or our method of um, taking care of ourselves. Right. And so I think another part of this method of taking care of ourselves is, who we trust, right? Who we trust to share that with, who we trust to help us grow. And so you are giving this beautiful wide range of choices to people for coaches too, because it's not a one size fits all, right? Like I think about like therapists, I think about endocrinologists, I think about all different kinds of providers. And I think we've all had an experience where we go to someone and we're like, Ooh, that's not our fit. 
And if we are kind of blindfolded into thinking that there's only a couple things to choose from, it could scare us away from wanting to use a coach or something like that. So by you allowing all these different coaches um, to enter into this space, we are giving those living with type 1 diabetes a bigger and better choice to take care of themselves, which I think is one of the most incredible parts of this. And just kind of also um, in that breath, there's, again, everyone has our different trail, right? We have our different transitions in life. So maybe you have a different coach for different parts too, right? And maybe one coach fits everything and that's wonderful. Um, But also again, knowing if you kind of enter a different space where you need something else, that someone credible and trustworthy is there. Yes. Oh, I'm so happy that you put in that perspective. I honestly didn't think about it that way either, but um, no, it's, it's so important. And that's what I mean. Like we've seen a community filled with people like, I mean, I just did a podcast episode with Savannah and she's offering like her programs for international travel. You are offering your programs for empowering people to choose their trail. We've had coaches doing nutrition coaching, um, kids like coaching for diabetic or children living with diabetes. Like there's just so many more options now. And I do think that we need to have that choice in our community. Um, but I'd love to hear kind of in the past four months, what, like, how has, how have its uh, trials on the trail developed? Like what's been the growth? Like how, what has the growth looked like? Oh, a lot of growth. <laughs> it's been amazing. Like I said, like I've had this notebook for seven years of all these ideas, but it's how do you channel it? How do you funnel it? And you really gave those tools through the coaching program to do so. So, um, how I kind of started was with the new social media account trials on the trail underscore. Um, but also, I also love that we talk about social media is there, but there's so much more depth, right? Social media just kind of can help get information out, show some highlights, but I was then able to develop a website Calendly has been super helpful to be able to get people to book appointments um, or complimentary like, consult calls. And often it's not necessarily our ideas, right? And I think we see this with people living with diabetes too. It's we have ideas, but it's how do we get there, right? How do we take the steps? So ECDC has really impacted how I could even start, right? Or thinking about marketing, thinking about my language I'm using. Um, so it really helped me kind of spearhead and start also having, I mean, I would say I'm a pretty risk taking kind of person. Um, but I really needed this to, you need your cheerleaders. Like you've talked about on podcasts before, like you need your people to push you and get you to a certain place. And so having the, excuse me, (laughs) um, having those people to be able to look at your stuff and tell you your place is needed or how you can improve. Sorry. Um was super, super helpful. So I think the development has is always gonna be ongoing, but I would say the main things are being able to even create a website, thinking about what is actually being offered and the whole clearest kind, right? Don't try to hide and be like, oh, I mean, maybe this is what you'll get. Be very upfront, know what you're gonna give people people. Um, and that takes time and planning um to not deliver empty promises. But it's I think it's really helped develop not only the way I think about trials on the trail and what all different trails those could be, um, but also how to really sustainably help someone through their trail and their trials along the way. 
Yes. It, yeah. It just seems that there's been so much just from when we first spoke to now, there's a lot more clarity around what you want to offer and how you want to support people. And I know that you mentioned one um, thing that I picked up on was that it's ongoing development, which as is anything. But when you think of the, like of what you want this to look like and what you want this to be, like walk us through with that, that bigger vision. So for me, the bigger vision is when people living with type one go into the outdoors in any capacity, right? Again, a park to miles and miles in the backcountry. Um, it would be to have the confidence they're going to succeed. So not only succeed in what they are going out to do, but in type one. So that type one kind of just, again, comes along for the ride and that there's that confidence that if X, Y, and Z were to happen, there's a plan. Right. And so kind of taking away the anxiety or the worry about stepping into the outdoors living with type one and instead replacing that with we've walked through this together before right and maybe i'm not there in that moment walking with them or someone else um and hopefully someone else is or if they're doing it on their own which is the ultimate goal for us all right is become independent and really take ownership of everything is that there is this feeling of i've got this you know I am in control of my trail. Like I get to choose my path. Maybe I thought this was going to happen today and this happened. Like maybe they wanted to go out and walk three miles and they ended up running a half marathon and they felt prepared to do so because they have a choice, right? It was, I thought this was what I was going to do, but this sounded better. And I did this instead. And I was able to just do it in the moment because I felt prepared and I felt confident to do this. Oh, I wish I could walk a half mar- or run a half marathon. <laughs> Whatever. No, I love yeah. this. I love it so much. It's it's such important work to be done, and honestly, it's it's just such a it's a unique space that we need filled. So I'm really happy that it's you that is filling this gap. Um, where can people find you? Like, how can they find out more? What? Where can they even like follow you? Let's give them all. Those yes. Details. So. Um, to, I have a website, it's going to be www.trialsonthetrail.com. And then you can also follow me on Instagram, send me a DM, um, at trials on the trail underscore. And there's also a link tree in the bio that you can click on. You can schedule a console call. You can, um, email me, you can reach out in any of those capacities. Yes. Okay. And final question. Um, one that I'm trying to ask more regularly, but the name of this podcast is keep 100 radio uncensored diabetes conversations. So my question being, and I didn't put this in my email, so it's a surprise Good. one, but, um, if you were to give somebody living with diabetes, just your most uncensored, like just best piece of advice for living with diabetes, walking their trail, choosing their trail, what would that be? still follow, don't let diabetes become your sole identity. Like don't fall into, you have to do things a certain way because you're living with diabetes. There are things we have to do and we have to do differently, but don't let that take away from a trail that you see that you want to go on and feeling like there's a roadblock. There's going to be a way to get there. And there are there, there are so many people to help support you. Um, I think reaching out and being brave to just DM someone or want to enter into a space and know you are welcome there and know that you do belong 
and that you get to choose where those footprints go. Oh, that was so good. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Okay. I will um, put all your information in the show notes so everybody can follow you on Instagram and find you. But thank you so much for coming on and just offering your wisdom and everything that you're doing for the community. It's so important. Lissy, you are so wonderful and congrats on the ECDC program. You worked so, so hard on that and it is so seen. Thank you. Yes.